The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. This is the Hard Shoulder, Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. All eyes are on Balmoral in Scotland, Buckingham Palace today, confirming the Queen is under medical supervision at Balmoral after doctors became concerned for her health. Charles and Camilla. Already there, William, Andrew, Edward, Sophie Wessex uh, on the way, should be there in and around uh, now, certainly in the next couple of minutes if they haven't arrived already. And the Sussexes, Harry and Meghan, as most of us might call them, uh, on the way uh, too. And some announcement expected at some point uh, this evening uh, on the Queen's Health. Richard Aldous is with me. He is a 20th century historian. Richard, you're very welcome. To the show, I mean, that the Queen has reigned for 70 years and I'm conscious we shouldn't talk about her in the, in the past tense, although I think it's fair to say or suggest that her reign is drawing to a close. Can you put in context for us, historical context, that 70-year reign? Hello, Kieran. Yeah, I think I think you're right that we we shouldn't speculate. But nevertheless, the fact that that the palace has um, uh, has has drawn attention to her real health, that her family are gathering, uh, we're being invited really to to draw our own conclusions from that. Um, yeah, it's it's been a remarkable reign, hasn't it? Seventy years. Um, you'd have to be in your seventies if you were a British subject uh, to not remember uh, the Queen as the monarch. And I think in in some ways that is is almost one of the most important elements of that reign. It's this sense of continuity, of longevity, that she's never really been a, a fashionable person. Um, in many ways, she's been an unchanging person. But it seems to me that the monarchy has survived. And, and even though there have been moments of un- unpopularity, it's always re- regained its popularity because she's always known how to change, but only change just enough. Uh, and I think in the, at the end, people have come to respect that um, and to welcome the sense of continuity uh, which she represents. I mean, society, though, and the world has changed remarkably in that 70 years, hasn't it? We were talking about it earlier. I mean, she was born of a time and her worldview would have been formed in the kind of the the Stanley Baldwin view of England with the blacksmith's hammer kind of tinkling in the forge almost. And when you think of the country today, the nation today, the world today, and how remarkably different it is. Well, it it is exactly, as you say, incredible. I mean, when she was born in the 1920s, that Britain was still just about uh, the the world's number one power. It still had a a massive empire. Uh, And don't forget, she wasn't born to be queen, that uh, her her, her father became king only because Edward VIII abdicated. So for much of her childhood, she had that was not something that she had expected. But during the course of her lifetime, of course, there was the Second World War. uh, There was the withdrawal from empire uh, and the changes in in society, the social changes that uh, that she saw. And as I say, I think it, it's that kind of ability to. Uh, sometimes she was seen as being too conservative, too behind the curve. But I think ultimately people have come to recognise that she changed just enough, and that the kind of sense of continuity um, was important. Because ultimately, I think the thing that whether you're a monarchist or not, that most people do seem to uh, to, to recognise. And, and to admire is that sense of public duty which she herself represents. So I think a lot of the affection in Britain and throughout the Commonwealth uh, for her is very much about her as an individual uh, as much as it is perhaps about uh, the monarchy and the crown itself. 
in, in a case of interesting timing, Robert Harris is going to be here uh, later in the show uh, talking about his new book, uh, 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 which which deals with a time that the institution of the monarchy became undone uh, uh, and the interregnum and Oliver Cromwell and all of that. Is there a point at which you would say, Richard, that the, the institution was genuinely threatened during her reign? I mean, we all remember kind of Annas Horribilis and uh, and that in more recent years but was it as empire began to unwind or or, or was it ever really under threat I, d- I don't think that anybody would say it was ever really under threat. Nevertheless, it is definitely true to say that there were moments of deep unpopularity. That um, in the in the late 50s and early 60s, there was a there was a sense that the monarchy wasn't keeping up with change. That uh, what Harold Wilson would later describe as the white heat of technology, the, uh, the the royal family seemed very stuck in the mud and unchanging. Again, in in the 1970s, I remember when I was a child uh, for the for the silver. Jubilee in in uh, 19, 1967, uh, sorry, 1977, uh, there wasn't a, a kind of a, a, a real outpouring of affection that, uh, yes, that there was a sense of celebration that this kind of mattered, but there wasn't the kind of uh, affection and popularity which you have uh, kind of for the Platinum Jubilee that, that, that we just went through. But yeah, and exactly as you say, I mean, I think it, it is true um, that that moment in summer of 1997 uh, after the death of Princess Diana, there was just for a moment a sense that the foundations really were rocking. Tony Blair, as Prime Minister, has written about this uh, in his memoirs, and we know now as the kind of the documents are beginning to kind of come out too um, that there there was a real sense that something was happening in the in the country, um, and that that need that the Queen needed to act. And so that famous speech that she made uh, from the bucking from the uh, from the looking out uh, over the people from Buckingham Palace, where she talked about speaking as as the Queen and as a grandmother, uh, I think was a, one of those examples of, that I was talking about before, where she could change just enough mm. to make sure that she retained uh, the, it, the, the affection of the people. It's interesting you cite that and, 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 uh, and when she cited her own grandchildren, because that's what others have suggested as well, it was the appearance of grandchildren, when those grandchildren kind of came on the scene and began to form their own worldviews that would have been very different from hers. And they were growing up in a world very different from hers. And and I know I've heard people credit them with maybe dragging her and older members of the family a little more into the present. I, I think that's probably that's probably true. Of course, it should be remembered that some of the attempts to drag the royal family into the uh, into the present uh, by kind of younger generations were disastrous. That uh, <laughs> younger listeners would have no reason to remember a, a terrible program when I was growing up called "It's a Knockout," and there was a famous "It's a Royal Knockout" uh, where Prince Edward and Princess Anne and so on, uh, Prince Andrew were uh, the heads of various teams, it was an unmitigated disaster. It's the kind of thing that uh, even to think about it now, you squirm with embarrassment. So, you know, sometimes those attempts to modernise did not go well. Um, And I think that I come back to that idea that in many ways, it's just that sense of continuity that even people who are not monarchists would would say of the Queen that she was consistent, uh, that uh, she is somebody who throughout her life uh, has tried to do her duty. And I think ultimately, as we, you know, perhaps as, her, as as we get towards the end of her life, uh, I think that people have come to accept her on her own terms. Uh, Richard Aldous, 
20th century historian Richard an absolute pleasure and thanks a million for talking uh, to us as we say uh, uh, we are not talking about the Queen in the past tense and we should be conscious not to do so uh, uh, but there is uh, an announcement on our health expected imminently and members of her family still travelling uh, to Balmoral one listener well one for the moment plenty of other texts I'm reading one for the moment refer to her please as the Queen of England or of the Commonwealth she is not our monarch fair point although she's not the Queen of England I don't think that's her proper title either it's Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland but we're not going to do that we're just going to keep saying the Queen and I know it drives some people wrong and there's 13 odd queens or something around the world but everybody knows who we're talking about and you don't have to be a monarchist to acknowledge that there's a cultural significance uh, to her passing if indeed her passing is announced later today or over the coming days. She forms a central part of the cultural tapestry of our closest neighbours. She's part of the cultural tapestry whether you like it or not here. Whatever your views are, even the staunchest Republican would have to admit that. She is also arguably the single most famous person on the planet. So that is why we are talking about it and for the next two odd hours when I say the Queen, take it as read, I'm talking about the Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Anyway, 53106 the text number. Like I say, we will bring you any updates as they come uh, from across the pond. Lots more happening here though. We are going to be talking to Ivana Batchik from the Labour Party in a few minutes time and Kuano Flarta has another great TV recommendation. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.